Hello and welcome, welcome to, to the, the Smut, Smut Show, Show. Mm-hmm. a weekly podcast from your new internet book besties. We discuss all things spicy books and mix in a little bit of motherhood, life, self-care, and everything in between. So sit back, grab a beverage, and let's chat. Hello and welcome to the Smut Show. I'm Neely. And I'm Rachel, and we have a really exciting episode today. We have author Grace Riley here. Um, Grace writes, I'm going to do a little intro for you. Grace writes swoony, spicy, contemporary romance with heart and a healthy dose of sports. When she's not dreaming up stories, she can be found in the kitchen trying out a new recipe. I love that. Cuddling a pack of dogs or watching sports, obviously. And- Yay, we love sports, um, the watching, <laughs> and the books. Grace's the books. debut novel, First Down, was published this past September, and she's been busy because her third novel, Stealing Home, just released on April 21st. We're recording this on April 24th, if you are curious. We are so excited to have her with us today. Hi, Grace. Hi. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. We're we are so super pumped. honored. We And when I'm telling you, and we'll talk more about your books here in a little while, but I'm telling you, we both devoured these books. So oh, yeah. I'm we really were talking about it before you got on. So I discovered First Down via Book Talk, as I discover most books I read, um, probably in October, I think. I feel like I read it in October. And then I had like a calendar reminder when Breakaway was coming out, <laughs> and it came out. It. At the perfect time because Dallas had a snowstorm and we were shut inside for four days and it came out that Tuesday and we were off school and I literally sat by the fire and read it all day while my kids watched movies and played um, and read it in one day. Um, And then we both just read and loved Stealing Home and we're just so excited to talk to you about your books and your life and everything having to do with it. So yeah. we will start, as we do, with our one in five star moments. Rachel, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. Okay, so uh, Neely is going to laugh at me because I think a couple episodes ago we were talking, maybe before or after, I can't remember, and I was like, I would literally never go camping. That sounds terrible. And what did I do this past weekend? I went, went camping. camping. I did. That's a no from me. Uh, yeah. Hard no. Hard, it was, it was, uh, has been a hard no. I think the, the last time, we were trying to remember, the last time I went camping was when my husband and I were dating, and I, I'm pretty sure it was 12 years ago is, like, how long ago this was. The last time and I went camping was never, because it's never, never going okay. to happen. So I was like, you know, we were in our early dating. I was like, well, I'll go camping with you, and, like, it was terrible. Obviously, we haven't been for another 12 years. So here we are. We went camping. We took our kids. It was so much fun. I Actually, I was shocked at how much fun we had. The kids just ran around like crazy. We went like 20 minutes away, so I felt like we could go, like, we were close to, like, a liquor store and a Walmart if we needed to be, you know. Like, and it home wasn't, if you were, like, and bad plans. If it, was like, if it was, like, middle of the night and we were, like, this is not working, we could have gone home. But it was a lot of fun. So that's my five-star moment. My one-star is also camping um, because it was way colder in Texas than I thought it was going to be in April in the middle of the night and we did not bring enough blankets I was freezing and so like Brian comes so I went to bed pretty early well not I don't know how early it was I was a little bit drunk and so I went to bed and then Brian came in later and he got on we took an air mattress y'all this is like this is not real camping this was like 
not glamping that's way more camping than i'm gonna get (laughs) yeah so we took an air mattress and brian goes to get on the air mattress and literally like falls off and my husband is sober he does not drink so he falls off he's completely sober falls off the edge of the mattress and like collapses the tent (sighs) while we are in it (laughs) i was like i was like our kids are sleeping right there and so that was one start and then another part of the one star one of the tents next to us and people we were camping with she listened okay i love me some original taylor swift but the the little girl the five-year-old she listened to teardrops on my guitar on repeat all night long there are just so many better taylor swift songs Like, (laughs) like when i think like so my kids um and by kids i mean liam mostly loves the song shake it off and i'm like it's fine like it's a great song and like but i would rather listen to shake it off on repeat than teardrops on my guitar teardrops on my guitar i thought i was hallucinating you guys i kept waking up to the chorus because that's when it would get loud (laughs) and i was like why am i hearing teardrops on my guitar all night long does it play in your nightmares now well, I was like, if I never hear that song again, it'll be too soon. Too soon. <laughs> it was terrible. So, um, well, I'll, I'll start with my my five star. <laughs> I don't know if you can top that, Neely. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so this is actually, so we moved two weeks ago. Tomorrow will be two weeks. We moved four blocks-ish from our house, like literally less than half a mile from our, our former house. Um, same school, same neighborhood, just more space. And um, we're very happy to be in the house. Like we have a lot more space. The kids have bigger rooms. We have bigger closets. It's more updated. Great, love it. Um, my one star moment is we moved, and moving sucks. And there's not any part of moving. Like Andrew and I moved. So this is our third house we've owned in eight years. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So in our fourth time we've moved together. So the first two times we moved were pre kids, and like. It was super easy and we had like everything unpacked and set up in like one day when you have kids it's just like it's just harder and charlotte was off school my three-year-old for easter break she only goes monday wednesday fridays so she the wednesday before we moved was her last day of school because thursday she didn't have school friday she was off monday she didn't have school tuesday she didn't have school so the whole time we were doing like the bulk of the move she was here and it was challenging. We also don't have a kitchen because biggest first world problem, we're completely renovating our kitchen. They took it down to the studs, they took out a wall. It's going to be beautiful. Um, I don't think I thought about how hard it would be to not have a sink. Mm-hmm. And then that's been the hardest, like we don't, we mostly cook in our air fryer and on our grill. So like that has been fine. Um, it is the not being able to rinse fruit without like going to your kid's bedroom or your bedroom and like using the sink or like clean their lunch boxes after school. Like it's been tricky. Mm -hmm. And thankfully one of my best friends, Maddie actually lives across the street from us now. And I've used her dishwasher twice. (laughs) Like I've literally like walked across the street with giant grocery bags (laughs) of dirty, like lunch boxes and coffee mugs. And I'm like, Hey Maddie, I'm gonna like (laughs) run the dishwasher real quick. Um, I'll be across the street. Just unload it when you're yeah. done yeah just let me know um yeah. she was they were actually out of town this past weekend so she gave me a key and i just like let myself in ran the dishwasher came back eight hours later because i had gotten to the spa um i, love that. I know rough rough times yeah. here spa <laughs> kitchen renovation yeah. it was hard um but that's yeah it will it's so the kitchen's supposed to be done next friday so oh that's not long at all it's fingers i mean fingers crossed the cabinets literally got unloaded from a truck 
whilst recording this podcast. <laughs> um, they're supposed to go in tomorrow and be done by the end of the week. And then they just have to, uh, we have all the appliances here. They're in our garage and they just have to put them in. And then countertops are going to be kind of like the big factor of when those are ready. Because we actually have the backsplash here too. So it's, it's literally just the countertops. And um, then I'm not doing any projects for like a year. Because I, I need some space. That. Um, Grace, do you want to share a one in five star moment with us? Uh, sure. I mean, mine are also the same. Um, <laughs> Love so that I, for all of us. It's kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah, mine would obviously be releasing Stealing Home. Um, you know, um, when you release a new book, it's really, really exciting and really wonderful. And um, I'm so happy that, you know, Stealing Home is in the world and that people are enjoying Sebastian and Mia's story as much as they are. It's been really, really wonderful and I'm so grateful. Um, but releasing a book is also really stressful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, I definitely spent a lot of time kind of um, trying to keep to myself on Friday and this past weekend, um, you know, to kind of just like recharge a little bit. And I'm, I'm still in that recharging phase because I was kind of like go, go, go for a really long time, um, you know, preparing this book for publication and you know, now that it's out, it's a, a really big high, but also a low at the same time, just the stress that everything, you know, kind of goes into um, actually getting it to the point where people are ready to read it and, you know, pay money. So yeah. I'm sure there's like a big come down from that, right? It's kind of like yeah. all this build up and then it's out and you're like, okay, like are people going like to like it? Like, yeah, I mean, gonna... yeah, you know, it's one of those things where like the story doesn't really belong to you in the same way anymore. And that's mm. really hard. To... I think it's an underrated kind of hard to deal with, you know. Um, and there's also the kind of the thought of like, I spent months with these two voices in my head and their perspective on everything, like shining through everything I did. Right. And then the whole book is out and like yes there's still other things to do and they're going to be involved in other stories but at the same time that part of it is over and i kind of have to say goodbye to them and this is kind of the beginning of a part of um my like creative process where there's a lot of recharging and refilling the well i'm reading more now and kind of like trying to figure out where to go from here in terms of the stories and everything and it's just a total shift between where i was even like a week or two ago and now mentally Sure. I've that heard so authors. Interesting. I've heard authors say mm -hmm. um, one in particular said one time like she'd written this book and she it took her like years, like she's only written one book, mm -hmm. and it's a book I love and we'll talk about it another time. But um, we've talked about it before. But she like hasn't been able to write another book basically because she cannot get these voices out of her head and I'm like this is like scaring me from writing yeah, I, I never would have thought about that I just ne like I never would have I, it, it you see and it just goes to show you that you never really know like what's going on I love to think about that like you don't really know what's going on in somebody else's head right and so you think oh this is like this huge release thing like it's all happy but there's a flip side to every coin and that's not necessarily a bad thing but I love that you're recognizing it mm -hmm. and that you're taking the time that you need to kind of process all of it that's really I like I really like that perspective yeah totally. um, it's a, it's a so Rachel what is a recent book you've read other than stealing home which we've okay. both obviously recently read in the last week and we are here to talk about we're but. here to talk about it <laughs> i know i talk about that. 
And I was like, obviously. Okay, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So um, a different recent read. Obviously, Neely and I have been on our sports romance kick. Um, Mine has been going on for nearly a year now. I am not quite there and yet. And by kick, I mean it's just my preferred uh, way to read. Life. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lifestyle at this point. It, it's my, I literally commented that to somebody today. I was like, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I, I don't know. And, like, we talked about this, uh, I think, with Becca about how, like, uh, we – I think we like sports because it's almost like this, like, um, foreign – like there's something intriguing about it because we, really <laughs> we don't really know what not. it is, <laughs> what's happening. But yeah. anyway, so I recently read uh, the Vancouver Agitators series by Megan Quinn, um, and that's a hockey romance. Um, and there's three currently out right now, and I they're really, so good. They're they so were good. really good. I really liked them, um, and I I love the I, we've talked before about like the standalone series and how much we love that. Um, one of the reasons why. Uh, we love Grace's books too, but I think uh, they do such a good job of um, tying all of the characters together throughout, mm-hmm. and so I really liked that. I the still haven't read too- the first book. I've still okay, never so read the first one. I did. I read them out of order. I read, the, I think, the third one. I think I read them three. No, no, I read the second one, and, and then, uh, and that was the like. Uh, accidental pregnancy yes, one. Yes. Yeah, and we were like, we weren't sure. I know people have feelings about the accidental pregnancy, but it was actually really good. I really liked it. Was it was done very well. It was done very well. And then I read the third one, and that's the one where I had to Google. <laughs> can I talk about this on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course I can. Um, but I had to Google what a Jacob's Ladder was. Oh, everyone did. She talks about it in several, like, TikToks. Oh, okay. Where, like, I'm people like, have I need to, to get like, better about TikTok. look up a Jacob's Ladder. Oh, because I had to look it up, and I was like, Oh, I mean, I mean, my husband would never. No, 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 no. Uh, And to be fair, neither would I. Like if no. I was a penis owner, which I'm not. No. But, um, so that I had to go. So I just loved it. And it was lo- Megan Quinn's so funny. I love her style of writing. So that was, that she was is my funny. recent read. And I love Megan Quinn books. But man, the buildup in those books is like a long buildup. It is a long buildup. Yeah. We've talked about it before. I like um, I like a buildup, but I don't like like I like it to come between like thirty and forty percent of the book. I don't want to wait till like seventy percent in. Like I need. She's got her percentages down. I do. I need like the majority of the book to give me those people. Like at least like getting to the point of being together. Like I need more. I need more. Um, <laughs> it's a more old school style of romance writing for sure. Um, it's like it's more um, structured. You know, yes. Rom-com, yes. Yes. Only get it together at the end. Yes. It's more of a traditional yes. writing um, yeah. that people like, you know, not saying it's not wonderful because it can be great, um, but it's a different style of writing from what me and some other people are doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think because I read the majority of kind of your style of writing mm-hmm. that like when I'm switching around to other, other styles of writing, like I recently read a book told in a completely, like usually I read dual point of views and I read a book told in the third person and I was like, I, it took me like half the book to even like, like it was so off putting because I've spent probably a year reading predominantly dual point of view books that when I don't read a dual, I'm like, first of all, I'm like, I need both points of view. Like, I agree. I don't, I don't want to just read a book from one person's point of view. I want to know what he's thinking. Like I I need that. And it's almost hard for me to read books that aren't that 
and it was it was jarring and it's a book <laughs> so everyone good. really loves that's like very talked about on bookstagram and tiktok and i was like i feel like i should love it more than i do but the style of writing different. is yeah i texted rachel i was like i can't do this like, <laughs> like yeah. it's too hard um so shock of shocks i'm reading <laughs> a series that isn't sports related we are shocked. Um, we didn't know I, it was know. possible I, I think the last 10 books I've read, only two have been sports related. So I don't even know what's happening to me. But I was scrolling book talk as I do every day. And I like to add books to my TBR. Because, like, if you play your cards right on TikTok, like, your whole feed will just be, like, spicy romance books. And yeah. that's what I want in my life. I like that. And I like clips from Taylor Swift concerts. And the two worlds <laughs> collided, guys. And I was fed the playlist by Morgan Elizabeth. And I was like, I'm sorry. It's a book where every chapter title is a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> and I was like, okay, tell me less. I'm downloading. Was one I'm of in... them teardrops on my guitar? I don't remember, but I kind of don't think it was because I oh, okay. don't remember that. It might have been. So, like, I'm sorry if people are listening and they're screaming and they're like, that absolutely was chapter 27 or whatever. <laughs> oh my but, gosh. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. But all I, I, I don't know if I can read it if it includes teardrops so on my guitar. This is also part of a standalone series. It's book five, and you can read them completely out of order as I did. I read book five, and then I went back and I started at book one. But you guys, when I tell you the playlist is probably in the top five books I've read this year, and I've read 31 books now. I loved it so much. It was like the sweetest cinnamon roll of guy and a girl who just like they've been they've known each other their entire lives like their their dads were best friends. She is best friends with his sister. Um, And we and Neely loves a childhood childhood friends friends to lovers is like (laughs) to me that and forced proximity are two of my favorite things to work. I love when people are forced together. Cause you know, it's going to be good. Like you I just made like so a really, in- I, I made a really <laughs> yeah. intense face. Sorry. Um, so she has really strong feelings about this. So they're there. He has always been in love with her. She's always been in love with him, but like they never acted on that. Cause he's like four years older than her, but she breaks up with her boyfriend and everyone's like, okay, Xander, like it's your time, like get in there. And even her dad is like, so you're going to like, get with my daughter like what's happening here so he takes her on a road trip because she's quit her job and she's like having kind of a quarter-life crisis he takes her on this road trip and like taylor swift bucket lists her it's basically like kissing in the rain paper ring around her face it is y'all i like it was like it was like a hug this book was like a warm hug and I had come off of reading The Summer We Fell, which was like not a hug. It was <laughs> so sad and I needed that. Anyways, the rest of the series I'm on, I've read three books. I'm on my fourth book in the series. They're all fantastic. And it's like the same friend group. Uh, the second book in the series is Xander's sister and his best friend. It's Everyone read it. Read all five of them. They're amazing. I'm praying she writes more. I need the series to never end. And anyway, it was wonderful. I I could talk. I might, honestly, there might be an episode where I just talk about about this this Taylor Swift (laughs) book forever. Um, Okay, Grace. Grace. You're up. Oh man, um, I ha- like I said, I haven't really been reading that much lately. Um, I find it a little hard to read while I'm really, really deep into writing mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am starting to get back to it. Um, this weekend, I read *The Princess Cyrus* by Harry Fisher, 
Um, and it was it's a memoir about um, the early days of filming the first Star Wars movie. Um, mm. And the really interesting part about it is the a very large chunk of the book is her diary of the time period. So it's actually oh, wow. excerpts of the diary that she was writing in. Um, you know, at the time she was this 19 year old who got cast in her first major film role. Um, and, you know, she was having, um, at least according to her, I haven't really looked into like whether Harrison Ford has said anything about it, but apparently they had an affair during the mm-hmm. set, uh, like while filming the first yeah. Star Wars movie. Um, and I hadn't known that before. And it was really interesting to read like her perspective of this, you know, this like love affair that she knew wasn't going to go anywhere but at the same time she really you know felt like she loved him even though he was married and mm. you know like just she wrote like these love poems and like all these beautiful things about kind of like the whole situation and she had like a really interesting kind of just kind of like you know very relatable 19 year old kind of feelings about you know her life and her place in the world and her career and this this love affair that was kind of like the first time she'd really been with somebody outside of like a college boyfriend that she mm-hmm. had to oh with. wow and it was just like really really interesting um she kind of talked you know a little bit like on both sides of the diary in the memoir itself about kind of like getting cast for the role as leia and then kind of like how she felt about it decades later still being you know in pop culture and everything and it was really interesting, and of course, I loved—not that it's romance, but kind of like the romantic aspect of mm-hmm. reading yeah. the diary from that period of time was really nice. I but find that so interesting. It was. I, it was. So, I feel like her diary is like way better than my diary was at <laughs> Like it was so. Like I, I mean, I know that they probably cleaned it up a little bit and like decided. I mean, my diary at nineteen was probably a live journal, and it was probably mostly emo song lyrics. So. Yeah. Sure. I just always, really dated myself. I've always kept a paper diary. I don't know if it's a writer thing, but I always have. And I feel like mine was definitely not as profound at 19 as hers was. But um, it was just really nice to read. And um, yeah, I, I really, you know, I, I try not to just read romance because I think it's helpful as a writer to read all kinds of books. And um, I've, I've been very into memoir lately. I think, I don't know, I think it's really interesting. It's also useful for like learning about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, like writing, um, you know, like we don't have to get super into it, but um, there's this book written by Sarah Sieber, who is a, a, an astrophysicist at MIT, um, called The Smallest Lights in the Universe. And it's all about exoplanets, which if you've read Stealing Home, you know that that's Mia's area of interest. Uh-huh. I actually mm-hmm. put it in the acknowledgments because the book was so helpful for me in learning more about this field and kind of like what it's like to study it, you know? Um, And that was really a lot of the basis of the research that I had to go into in order to kind of create this passion that Mia had and, um, you know, like hopefully at least somewhat realistically speak from the perspective of somebody interested in STEM because I'm very much not STEM kind of minded Mm -hmm. at all. Um, So, you know, that memoir was also really interesting for that. So, well, I love (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk about more about the book too in a little bit, but I loved uh, that part about it. My husband's really into space, and so I was like, "Hey, I'm reading this book," and it, and he always makes fun of me. Well, not he, like he doesn't make fun of me because I've like beat that out of him, making fun of me about my what oh, I read. No, <laughs> Andrew still makes fun of me, but I did tell him about it, and he thought that that was interesting. And we'll I talk know. about it more. I was like, the but I planets. 
very much appreciate <laughs> that you write women who are like whole rounded people mm-hmm. and not just the girlfriend or the wife or the yeah. side piece or whatever I feel like and not saying that books I read have that but like I'm very appreciative when women have like a full life um yeah. outside of the man in the book and like have goals and passions and things that they want to yeah. do so I love that you took the time to research that and so yeah. that was and you yeah, kind totally. of have you've kind of already told us a little bit about yourself but we're going to get into like the interview portion of it. So we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got into writing, um, just go to town. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, uh, like I was saying, I think not in the recording portion, but, um, I'm originally from New York, but I'm from Long Island. Um, and you know, that's where I live basically my entire life. And that's part of the reason why the series that I'm writing now is set in New York and why the mm-hmm. family that I'm writing about is supposed to live in Washington, which is um, a real town on Long Island. Um, uh, and uh, I went to school in Massachusetts um, at a school very close to UMass, actually, which is kind of funny because that's supposed to be the major hockey rival yeah. <laughs> for my fictional university. Um, but uh, a little while after graduating from college, I moved back and, you know, um, my parents decided that they wanted to move to Florida. And I thought that that sounded like a cool idea because <laughs> I never lived anywhere but New York. And now I live in Florida and I really love it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm based at the moment. And um, in terms of getting into writing, I think, you know, people come to writing from all, all different, you know, for all different reasons and kind of all different backgrounds. And um, for me, it was one of those things where it was like, a lifelong love where it's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do. Um, I, you know, ever since I realized very early on, like in learning how to read, you know, that somebody actually wrote the stories I was reading, I wanted to be the person that wrote the stories. That was like the coolest job ever to me. That was the thing that I wanted to do. Um, And I was really lucky in that my family and people around me always supported this passion, you know, as I was growing up, um, I was writing you know, it sounds kind of like, I'm not bragging about it per se, um, but it just, you know, I, I started writing like full length novels and everything when I was even like in middle school, just because mm-hmm. um, it was like my major kind of like hobby and, you know, the thing that I wanted to eventually do professionally. Um, so that kind of continued throughout, you know, middle, high school and college even. Um, and to get to the point where I became, you know, a romance writer and specifically an indie romance writer, um, I, I always thought that I would just be traditionally published. So, you know, that kind of like difference between um, people who tend to have an agent who um, submit projects via their agent to traditional publishers like HarperCollins or whatever, mm-hmm. versus people who do the indie route, um, you know, where it's just like you deciding that you want to publish something. Um, I always thought I would just be traditionally published because that was kind of what I knew more about. I didn't really know very much about indie for a long time. And um, after college, I was querying agents and I got the agent that I'm still working with now and we were able to sell several projects. Um, you know, I, I have stuff published under my, my like, real name um, since Grace is a pen name. And um, I was just kind of feeling unhappy with how slow traditional publishing was. It wasn't really, it wasn't really rewarding me the way that I wanted it to. Um, you know, I felt like I wasn't like catching that break that I needed in order to make it maybe something that could be leveraged into a profession. Um, so I looked a little bit more into indie publishing because I realized that my wheelhouse really was romance more than other areas. My my other published stuff is um, 
in the the middle grade and young adult spaces so mm-hmm. it's not romance um and um you know i thought i would give it a try and it's worked out really well for me and now i consider myself more of a hybrid author where you know um i'm still hoping to sell stuff traditionally but i really like the freedom of indie and being able to be in charge of the story and you know i started this being like i really am just so tired and i want to write the stories that i want to write and see if there's an audience and so far I've- there's been an audience I feel like, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like I could be totally off base. I feel like a lot of the books that we read and talk about are more indie published books. Like I feel like um, a lot of the books that you kind of see in the book talk kind of um, sports romance genre or just romance in general, a lot of them are more indie published now. And as a consumer of books, one thing I like about indie publishing is you get books a lot faster. And mm-hmm. so you're, you not, faster, you're yes. not waiting like three years in between yes. each book. You can get an entire series um, in the span of a year, basically, yeah. um, or however fast an author is writing it. And so I feel like selfishly (laughs) we prefer it that way because i mean when you find an author you love or you find a book series you love you obviously like you want more right Mm -hmm. you're not like reading it once and you're like well i've had my fill of that i don't want any more um i don't want any more of that world no i don't want want no like i want all of the callahans i want it listen you can spin it off to their cousins and i I will read it make up more callahans yeah, maybe they have like a long lost sibling somewhere. That would be fine. Um, but yeah, so was there an was there an author, um, be it your traditionally published books or um, your indie published books that inspired you? Either way, like, are there authors that you really feel like kind of tipped that for you? Um, I mean, you know, I've always been very in tune with. Um, you know, learning more about authors and how they work. Hmm. Is there something else I can help with? Y'all, I don't know what just happened on my phone. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that was my watch (laughs) and my phone. It happened happened to me earlier while I was talking to my, to to Allie, my assistant, um, and I felt bad about it, but it happens. Um, uh, Authors. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to, to kind of this more this new phase of my writing, um, I would say that um, I'm I'm very inspired. Um, well, in one, you know, in one by L. Kennedy because I feel like she's kind of a staple of the the space that I'm writing in. Um, mm-hmm. Off campus was you know like a pretty influential series for me in terms of just um, I, I really like a lot about those books and I admire a lot. We've of read them, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, you know, realizing that those books were indie, um, I remember a friend was like, my best friend, very best friend, Anna, was was telling me that I had to read the deal. He was like, you have to read it. And even though it's indie published, it's so good. And this was like ages ago, like back when, back before she got the indie. When did those books really come out? Because I just read the whole series in the fall. So like, but I know they've been out for a while. They've been out for a while. Like, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say like 2015 2016 I think that's right I think that's right that's crazy I man the world I I was missing I have like old like indie published copies of them where the trim size was a lot bigger and the cover was yeah I have copies of the deal and the bowl because those were her two favorites and she literally was like you have to read this she sent it to me um paperbacks because by then I wasn't even really reading a lot of ebooks and I, I really liked them and 
um, I just admire the way that she has done. Um, she's kind of straddled that line between traditional and indie in a really nice way recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I admire that. And, um, you know, I think like a lot of other people, I really admire Tessa Bailey. Um, I really like her writing. And she's also somebody who has straddled that line between mm-hmm. indie and traditional. And yeah, if there's one thing that you can kind of, you know, for me, I'm coming from that, that traditional publishing perspective coming into indie, and I don't want to give it up completely. So I'm always very admiring of authors who are making it work from kind of both directions and that's what I'm looking for for myself so I think that both of them have really awesome careers that I'd love to emulate in some ways yeah Yeah. so oh sorry go ahead Rachel I was gonna I think we're gonna ask the same thing so what uh obviously you liked Elle Kennedy and she's a sports one of I feel like the early year sports romance um and kind of this new romance world um but why sports why did you decide to stick with sports and then you write several i mean you write three different sports over the span of your three different books in this series so Mm -hmm. is there a sport that you're partial to and then you just felt like the callahan boys each needed their own thing or how did how did that because you know if they were if they were all football like it'd be Mm -hmm. kind of competitive why so why sports in general or why the callahan's having different sports or both all of it both. both yes okay so, I mean, when it came to write, deciding what indie romance I wanted to write, um, the very first romance that I wrote that I tried to, um, that we tried to sell traditionally, it didn't end up selling, but it was um, set in Hollywood. Um, so I was writing contemporary even before then. I think I actually am going to try and retrofit that book and indie publish it at some point because I still think it's a good book and I'm still kind of pissed that traditional publishing didn't want it. But yeah. anyway. Um, I was looking for other things that I was interested in, and yeah, I've always been really interested in sports, and it kind of seemed like a natural expression for me um, to kind of include something that I already knew a lot about um, and that I was already passionate about into kind of the framework of a romance novel. Um, I will admit, when I started, I did not know how big of a subgenre sports romance was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Same. I, when I started reading them, for, you know, like the way I got into like this particular area of indie publishing, um, you know, generally they recommend you do a lot of research into like deciding what you're going to write. Um, for me, I was kind of like, I'm completely fed up with traditional publishing. I want to try writing um, a, a, in, an indie romance and see how it does. And the idea that came to me was a sports romance, but it wasn't because I was like, I'm going to become a sports romance author. Mm-hmm. And I still don't consider myself only sports romance. Um, you know, I kind of just consider myself a contemporary romance author who for right now is focusing on sports, but I don't know if I'm going to you know, stay here in the same way. I know some people are very, very specific about the things that they write. And I don't really want to box myself in that way. Um, sure. So I don't really know, but um, yeah, in terms of, you know, sports, sports romance and everything, I just thought it sounded interesting. And um, in coming up with the idea for the series, um, speaking of the Jets, I kind of thought that um, Boomer Esiason, who is a, a quarterback for the Bengals and the Jets, um, he's still a media personality in New York. So he does like radio programs and stuff. Um, I thought that his family was interesting because he, um, his daughter is married to an Islanders player. Um, Matt Martin. So, um, you know, he kind of. You can name them, but we're not going to know who they are. Okay. Well, anyway. um, I know. Like, I don't know who any of these people are. Football and hockey in his family, basically. Oh, okay. See, and I didn't even know. I'm like, Islanders. Is that baseball? I don't know. I know. Rachel and I are sitting here. 
Islanders <laughs> is hockey. And the fun part about it is he's a huge Rangers fan, and the Rangers are a major rival of the Islanders. So it's kind of funny that his son-in-law plays for a rival. Rachel team. and I sitting here like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah, like Rangers know, right? in Texas like, are baseball, so I'm like, and we're, I'm still on baseball. I don't uh, know. Well, yes, there is a baseball Rangers team. I do know it. who the Rangers are in hockey, though. Yeah, I okay. do too. Well, that's important to me, so I'm glad that yeah, you do. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> yes. We can we can continue yes. the recording. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I thought that his story was interesting and I kind of thought it would be, I honestly thought it would be funny if, you know, like this guy who was like a famous athlete happened to have kids that all played different sports. And then I was like, oh my God, logistically, logistically, that must've been like such a nightmare trying to get them to all the practice. God, their poor mother. Guys, I have kids that... (laughs) I mean, my three-year-old has two different activities, and I'm like, we need to narrow this down yeah, to one. one. I swear, one. bless Mrs. Yeah. Callahan for yes, coordinating know, right? those schedules, yeah. because... Andrew really is the MVP, honestly. She, she probably really was like, yeah. I cannot wait till these children have their own cars. I'm so yeah. sick of this shit. For sure. No. She's like, y'all mean. drive Izzy. I'm done. <laughs> no. no. So yeah, I thought that would be interesting, and that was kind of the, the kind of the kernel that brought me to the story and from there it kind of unfolded rather naturally to think you know what would the youngest uh, what would the eldest child do probably follow in the dad's footsteps Mm -hmm. what about a younger child probably more of a rebel so what's a sport that's not football yeah cooper Mm -hmm. (laughs) i bet y'all can't tell which callahan boy i'm partial to i'm just kidding i thought it would be james too did you? Did you? Think you th- I really, and yeah. that I was partial to, and then I read Breakaway, and I was like, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, we'll get there, but like, the way Cooper is with Penny, like, I, I'm not gonna get past that. Just, I don't know. After this last book, I, I, I think. I mean, I love of- them all. I love them all, but like, I have a soft spot for. Cooper and Penny. Um, Anyways, is there a sport that you're particular? I mean, we've established that you love the sports. Is there one that's just like your Um, heart? I mean, I would say probably I like watching the NFL the best. Mm. Um, NFL Mm -hmm. is like, you know, love watching. I slid into your DMs about your mention of the Dallas Cowboys in first down. So I I believe that was like my first DM to you as I was like, Explain. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I will. I, I can. I can. Oh, it's a question. Yeah, Don't worry. I, We're getting I, there. We'll get there. I, <laughs> I really like watching football, but um, I would say baseball is my first sport love, um, and hockey is my newer sport love. I feel like um, everyone I know from New York is, like, very into baseball. Like, is being from New York, oh, totally. do you find, Yeah, like, I feel like um, several of my friends and one of my best friends from high school from here moved to the New York area and she they're like a baseball they're like baseball people now well I feel so. like it's like America's pastime right and then like what's more all American than, than like New York yeah than the city oh, and totally. all that yeah. so either you're a Mets fan and you're constantly in pain um, mm. or you're a Yankees fan and recently you've been in pain um, yeah. but there's a lot of history I um, and I grew up in and um, Yankees, Giants, Rangers. Um, I don't really watch basketball. Um, but yeah, out of those three sports, I'm basically always watching something sports-related. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah. It's very comforting for me. This is way off topic. So my brother and my dad are like any, they will watch any sport. And so that's like all mm-hmm. that was on. It was like my background noise in, in my childhood. Yeah. And so I, we always have it on our TV now, even though like I'll, I'll kind of pay attention, but it's just always on. Cause I'm like, that's my, like sports is my background noise. It's my comfort. It's what I'm used to. Oh, today my background noise comfort was the original Beverly Hills 90210. That's a choice too. Yeah. yeah. That was not played in my house growing up. Oh no. See, I unf- was allowed to watch that at a too young age, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what does a new book launch like this time where your your book launched three days ago like what does this time look like for you usually other than being on our podcast <laughs> uh, well yeah of course that's um it was really hectic leading up to it for sure um i with this one it was um it was really really hard to write this book it mm. was really hard to write this book um not not necessarily for the content although a lot of people have told me that they feel that this book is a lot deeper in some ways for mm-hmm. certain reasons, um, mm-hmm. which is an interesting reaction to me because I kind of feel like I didn't put any more of myself into this one necessarily than I did the first two. But um, I think, you know, when you when you kill off both parents of a, of a character, um, that automatically adds like a different kind of um, perspective to it. So for I sure. think that a lot of people have related to that and then also a lot of stuff that it goes through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was hard to write in terms of the the subject matter, um, but then also just honestly, the platform was totally different when I released Breakaway. Um, you know, even back in December, which is only four months ago, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I was still really starting to, you know, just starting to gain a foothold in the space. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably within the past couple months, you know, it's really exploded to the point where I was really nervous about this book because I felt that so many people loved Breakaway that I was afraid that, you know, nobody would end up liking Stealing Home or that they would feel that it was a really big letdown compared to the first and especially the second book. Um, And it was just hard in general. So this book, you know, it ended up being like the timeline was a lot, it was crunched because um, I didn't finish it as fast as I wanted to. but, you know, in leading up to the release, it was definitely a lot of strategizing in terms of, like, how we were going to promote the book um, and what would be the best way to talk about it to people and, um, you know, literally continuing to tweak it up until the very last second. Um, I had fantastic support from advanced readers this time, um, which was really lovely in order to see kind of, like, that reaction, um, you know, even before it was available widely. Mm-hmm. Um and getting that, you know, that was the past week or so. And now I'm just kind of in this, like, decompress kind of stage where, um, you know, for, for Friday, I honestly didn't even look at too many things. I got updates from people, which I know it went really, really well, and that's lovely. Um, but I wasn't, like, checking it every single second, which I think was really good from a mental health perspective. Um, and then, yeah, this weekend I, you know, started to read again. I kind of just chilled out a little. I've been watching Below Deck. so good (laughs) my husband and i y'all she's activated bravo for me now um my husband and i are big bravo people i am currently uh working my way completely through vanderpump rules because i never watched it but i was like everyone's talking about it so i'm gonna watch it from the beginning but we love below deck 
Yeah, I haven't seen Vanderpump in a couple seasons, um, but I was really into it for a period of time. I'm on season 10 of Below Deck now, though, so I am, like, so caught up in the current we, original show. We are, um, we just started the new season of Sailing Yacht, which oh, nice. I think there are, like, three episodes out now, but we didn't realize that it had come out. But all of the Below Decks, to me, I did not think it was a show I would like. I was like, the premise of the show is ridiculous. I'm never going to like this. And I was like, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I don't know any of Part of me things. wants to write, like, a whole romance series based on kind of, like, that. Please. Please do. I would. There's just so much good, like, conflict built into it, you know? It's so good. Rachel, you need to, like. I don't know like, what it is. <laughs> it is a show about. Okay, so think about. You know how Downton Abbey should. And I'm, I promise. There's <laughs> like, a where connection. are we going with this? Do you know how yeah, at Downton Grace Abbey. There's, like, the whole um, perspective of, like, the staff who works for them and, like, sure, their sure. dramas and their things. Below yeah. Deck is like Downton Abbey in that it bases itself on the staff of a yacht. Not like Downton Abbey in that it does not take place in an abbey in in Nor does it take England. place in England, yeah. Also, well, it okay. does take place in Europe on Below Deck Med. But my point is, okay. it's about the staff. And then you have, like, these crazy... So clients that come in who can spend you know 300 grand charting a yacht in yeah. the bahamas or in the mediterranean and they're demanding and then, things like and, truffles on everything they eat and then sure. complaining as it's, one does sure um uh but a girl andrew went to high school with was actually on an episode of below deck and that was, was she was she above deck or was she, she was deck? above deck yes wow. yes okay. um she yes, also so. was on the bachelor one season How erica rose shout out erica oh. rose um okay. but anyways okay so this is not a question we had but it goes along with the book launch i from a reader's perspective find the book talk and bookstagram community to be like a very like loving wonderful supportive um place to authors and just to each other really like i don't see a ton of negativity there how do you how is it from an author's perspective and like do you feel like book talk and things like that have helped you just kind of like reach more people and yeah, that was gonna um, be my same question because i know that like launching now everything now has changed right with social media but being in such putting something out there so and we talked about this i talked about this a little bit with when we had diana elliott graham on the podcast um you're putting something so vulnerable out there right it's like a piece of you that you've worked so hard on and regardless of how supportive the community is i'm sure there's always those people that and you just get those voices in your head but anyway what is what has it been like with book talk and bookstagram and all that kind of you you talked a little bit about how it's just blown up even since breakaway um what was that pressure like pretty intense honestly more intense than i thought it would be um mm -hmm. it's something where on the one hand yes it's overwhelmingly positive um and it's something that has absolutely helped me get to the place where i am now i would say in the beginning um you know like TikTok, especially when my TikTok network is doing better, it's been up and down lately. But um, in general, like TikTok has really helped me reach a lot of people directly. Um, and with TikTok, I find that it's the best way to actually make someone go, like decide to download or buy a book, um, mm -hmm. because the suggestions are literally so targeted that you're using. Like, I mean, truly, truly, TikTok just knows what you want. <laughs> yeah, who would be really, truly interested in my books? 
So, you know, when it comes to social media, it's been a massive help for my career and I wouldn't wish it away at all because, you know, it's really allowed me to directly reach out to people about, you know, like promotional opportunities, about sending copies of the book, um, about just letting people know about it, whether that's in the form of a TikTok or a reel or an Instagram post. Um, you know, I've been so um, lucky in that people have been wanting to post about my books. So I'm not the only one making content about my books now, which is mm -hmm. really helpful because it's, you know, just an ever expanding web of people who can kind of interact with the content and maybe learn about my books and decide if they want to read them. So that's really wonderful. Um, but it is really overwhelming. Even the positive stuff is overwhelming. Um, it's hard because as an author, um, you know, the cardinal rule is basically not to get involved with readers. Um, and by that, I mean, like, don't, you know, complain or don't, um, you know, don't like react negatively to reviews and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Which I totally agree with and, you know, would not dream of doing. But at the same time, um, we're often dragged into reader spaces, especially when we're tagged in things. Mm -hmm. um, and on the one hand, it's really nice because you want that attention and you want people to be posting about your books um, and you want, you know, to have that opportunity for promotion and kind of um, to get your work out there on a larger scale. But at the same time, sometimes it's really overwhelming to be tagged in things, um, especially if they're not the most positive, um, yeah. which does happen a little bit more than I like. Um, that's a major reason why I've kind of personally taken a step back from some aspects of social media and have more delegation in terms of just like trying to get people to support me so I can continue to write books rather mm -hmm. than doing every little thing myself in terms of, you know, responding to every single thing. See, and I won't even tag an author unless I give them a four or five star review. And that's literally what I was about to say. I was like, <gasps> like you should not, I mean, like, I you are allowed to feel how you feel about a book, but, but why bring, why bring the author into that? I don't know. I just, I mean, I guess yeah. to me, like being on the influencer side of things too, like, it's kind of like as an influencer, if somebody is like, I'm unfollowing you and I'm like, this isn't okay. an airport. You don't need to announce your departure. Yeah. You don't have to <laughs> like it. You can just choose to leave. Like I unfollow when it's not good for my mental health. Yes. And if something is not good for your mental health or it's not like if you're following, like I never understand the term hate follow for anything because I'm mm -hmm. like, that's just like, like do productive things with your time. Yeah. Like that's not productive. And so I always have said like, like when people have said stuff in my DMs, I'm like, listen, if I'm not like a, a safe place for you, like don't follow me. Like that's, yeah. Like, you do you. And so, like, when it comes to authors' reviews, like, I just feel like, I don't know, I don't, like, again, I feel like you people should be able to feel how they want. I just wouldn't tag the author. Like, mm -hmm. I literally, like, will only tag an author if I'm, like, obsessed with the book. Otherwise, yeah. like, I've read books where I've given it a two-star. And everyone knows, like, I two star is the I will not give a one star. I feel like if you've written a book, you, you at bare minimum get two stars because you wrote a book and I can't do that. But um, I'm pretty star happy. And if I loved the book, it's getting four or five stars. I like there are some people who will give like two books the whole year a five star. I, I probably that doesn't give make any like, sense to me because there's no there's no like police that's going to say, oh, you gave too many books five stars. I if I loved it, it's getting a five star. Like, I don't care if I read 25 five star books in a row. Yeah. Like. I, first of all, I specifically read books that make me happy. Like, 
they have to have a happily ever after or I don't I mean, want it's to a romance, read them. It's romance books. I mean, it's really not that deep sometimes. I mean, truly. It's one of those things where I feel, I feel a little hesitant to talk about it, I won't lie, because I'm trying really, really hard to not make it my business um, mm-hmm. because I recognize that not everybody is going to like what I write. But at the same time, I was underestimating vastly how much it would affect me. Mm-hmm. I really get hurt by reviews more than I thought I would. It's hard. I think I think no matter how much of a thick skin you think you have in something, like we're only human, right? Like you're you're a human person, and like it, it's like celebrities or authors or anybody who's putting themselves out there for anything. Like just because you're putting yourself out there doesn't mean you're like freely opening yourself up mm-hmm. to like get shit about. Like I just think there's this misconception that people who are putting content out be it a book or a movie or a tv show are just like asking for it and like everyone is at the end of the day everyone is a human person Mm -hmm. everyone is someone's daughter or son or sister or mother or father or whatever and you're a real person going home to a real house with like real concerns in life and i do feel like that is forgotten a lot um, and by and by readers too. Like I feel like you and people think that authors are invincible. Like okay, well you put this book out there, but like no, like there's still a person behind that, and someone's reading that review. I think it's interesting too because for so long, because we haven't really had like Bookstagram and Book Talk and all that is relatively new, and for so long it it you haven't had. Uh, you haven't really had a, a, a human behind it. There's obviously been a human behind it, but you haven't seen that person. You haven't interacted with them. You haven't maybe DM'd them about their book or whatever. Um, and so I think it's also a mental shift for readers. I think sometimes people maybe aren't even doing it, hopefully. I mean, sometimes they're probably doing it to be mean. But sometimes they're not even doing it really understanding that they're is a person behind this and that and is- meanwhile i'm just into authors dms like please be my friend because i, I loved your book and i just like want to hang out with you <laughs> i think there's a misconception that like and i think this is again like the difference between traditional publishing and publishing um in traditional publishing the author is kind of removed from the reader mm-hmm. a bit more whereas in indie publishing in most cases we will see whatever you post about the book if you mm-hmm. had us we might stumble upon something that you don't tag us in, in which case that's just unfortunate. But, um, you know, for the most part, yes, you, you see everything, especially as an indie author in a way that you don't necessarily as a traditionally published author. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that. Yeah. Um, and again, it's one of those things where I feel like reader, reader perceptions and author perceptions are not the same. And it's one of those things that I'm really trying to work through. You know, my perception of like a star rating system is completely different from a lot of other people's perceptions of a star rating system. Yeah. You know, like for me, three stars is bad. Mm. It's not good. It means that. You I mean, it's pretty bad for me too. Like. I mean, it, but the thing is, that's not the case for everybody. A lot yeah. of people think that three stars is pretty good, actually, yeah. but that doesn't make sense to me because it kind of feels like fifty percent in a way. Like, right. Two stars above, two stars below. You thought it was so. Because even a four stars for me, like, it means. I probably loved the book, but there was probably, like, one thing that, like, annoyed me about it. And usually, for me, that's either it's too slow bleeding up or it's, like, too quick wrapping up. Meaning, like, the it's just, like, all of a sudden perfect and everything's yeah. fine. And, like, I need somewhere in between. <laughs> like That's so interesting to me because, like, I would see it then. It's, like, that difference from, like, a reader perspective versus an author perspective. Like, like, 
I would, you know, even when I was, even when I was, you know, like rating things, I don't do that anymore because I don't really feel like I should be doing that to my colleagues. But, um, you know, like in general, like I never, I rated everything five stars because I thought it was just amazing that I read, you know, that I read something that I enjoyed. If I didn't enjoy it. And I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I can't DNF a book. I have to finish a book. Like Oh, to I, me, I don't finish books all the time. I too. used to be this way about TV shows. Like, I used to be that person that no matter how bad a show got, like, scandal, I would keep watching it because yeah, I'm like, I'm going to follow through. And I had to stop that because Grey's Anatomy is going on season 20. And yeah. at some point, <laughs> I was like, too far at this point. I was like, I have to stop doing this to myself. This I is really an hour a week. That. Yeah, I've really felt that, though, lately with the rating of even just having the podcast and, like, uh, I'm struggling, honestly, of, like, do I publicly rate these books Mm -hmm. and when when it's so subjective and or when we might have the author on and we're like well, or might, yeah, I have the author on. and but then also like okay so but it could be and I'm such a mood reader I'm like was I just not in the mood for that book and like maybe if I had read it at a different time it would have been a five stars I don't know and so I like almost I've been so tempted lately to like stop doing star ratings and I kind of stopped doing it on my like when I share books on my Instagram stories I don't really rate them anymore I just kind of tell about the book um and then you can decide if it's something you want to read or not, right? Um, The thing about star ratings is it makes sense for certain kinds of products, but art is not the same. mm. And I understand that it has to fit into that box, but think about it. If you buy a vacuum on Amazon that has like a three-star average rating, you're probably not actually going to buy that vacuum. You're going to buy the vacuum that has a higher star rating, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where... That makes sense. Like, I totally get that. It's a freaking vacuum. But when it's art, it's, you know, when it has a lower rating, you know, I think a lot of authors, hopefully I'm not the only one concerned about this. It really makes me nervous because I don't want someone to not try the book because Mm -hmm. of the overall star rating, you know? I feel that way about the podcast, too, because podcasts have star ratings, and it stresses me out thinking that someone's going to be like, I don't like romance books. Then why are you listening to our, don't give it a one star. Just don't listen to it. Like if it's not your vibe, it's not your vibe. Like we're not going to be everyone's vibe and that's cool. Yeah. I I think I feel the same way. It's like if a book's not your vibe, it just wasn't your vibe and that's okay. Like not every book is, I mean like I will. So, and I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast, for me to read a book, I will find it on Book Talk or something, and then I will search it on Book Talk, and I will watch fifty videos of the aesthetic of that book to make sure that it's my vibe before I read it. Because you know, like people make those videos, and it's like the aesthetic of the playlist or whatever. I want to watch. I want to make sure that it's something, and that's probably what I did for First Down. And I was like, "Yep, my vibe," and then read it. And then I usually, if, if it's a first-time author that I'm reading won't do that for subsequent books because I'm like mm-hmm. I've read one book this author writes that I like that I like, like, like yeah. I'm gonna like it but with new to me authors I'm like I don't I guess my thing is also I don't want to accidentally stumble into a book and have it be super depressing or have it be something super triggering to me mm-hmm. um like I have kids and so I can't read stuff um like reading things about child abuse is like very like I can't I can't mm-hmm. it's just too much for me um 
I used to be a big true crime podcast person and I've really had to peel that back because it's yeah. just too hard now that I have children to listen to anything like that. Um, but I like that because I also want to know that the book has a happily ever after. Because if it doesn't have a happily ever after, I don't want to read it. Like Really? Neely? Really? Other than the one time. Other yeah. than the one time. Okay. Okay. She's never going to let me live this down. I made her read a book. And subjectively, it is a happily ever after. It's just not the one you wanted. Okay. Yeah, um, but anyways, okay. We're going to switch gears. So the, okay. Califan, the Callahan family is so fun to read. Like, they're just this powerhouse sports family they love each other so much they have their izzy days like they just i mean like the family (laughs) that you want you want to be in that family how did you come up with this family in this world like what and you talked a little bit about how you like the person who inspired you and uh and i I don't even remember his name, but some sportscaster and <laughs> sports, sports. Oh, She's like a, also a quarterback who went to also a, a quarterback. Sport. He was really good at sports, and now he <laughs> talks about sports. Yay sports! Uh, yeah, yay sports. <laughs> but I love that, and so I want you to tell us a little bit more about that. But then also kind of loop in mm-hmm. like how would you decide uh, like how Seb's adoption plays into that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Um, yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, the guy's name is Boomer Esiason. Um He that played guy. for the Bengals. Um, I know everybody loves Dave Barrow now, so he's the current quarterback for the Bengals. But um, Boomer Esiason was at one point the quarterback for the Bengals, and also he played for the Jets. Um, and he, um, yeah, was a, a, I don't want to say like the inspiration for the series, because it's a little weird, but um, <laughs> his story was definitely in the back of my mind when I was considering what to write about. Yeah. Um, and like I was saying from there, I kind of was like, okay, well, if they're all going to play a different sport, like, what are the sports and who are the characters, right? And it kind of made sense to, like, go down the line from there. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, honestly, like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of going off of storytelling instincts because it certainly, you know, it, it wasn't the first novel that I'd ever written, but it was definitely, like, a new kind of experience for me trying to sort out the, like, standalone that's still connected situation mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is very popular in romance i love that personally yeah mm-hmm. we, we do too we love, love. for sure yeah um you know i thought it made sense you know for the eldest son to do football because you know generally that eldest child kind of being like the most responsible kind of like um following in the parents footsteps kind of situations so i made him have the same position as richard that's why james is also a quarterback and then, you know, from there, kind of went in line of, you know, thinking, like, a younger brother who would kind of, like, be resentful of the older brother in some ways, um, you know, okay, so if he was going to do that, he probably wouldn't want to play football, he'd want to play a different sport. What's a sport that's, like, not really similar to football? Hockey is very different from football. And I always mm-hmm. think of hockey guys as being a little bit more rebellious. Like, yeah, you think of sure. them as being a little, well, like, tougher and... I mean, hockey is interesting because violence is very much part of it in a way that it's not part of it it's it's hard to describe because in the nfl obviously you have like it's a contact sport so you know hits are part of the game and tackles and you know it's very physical but there's not as many like fights yeah but at the same time yes if people are throwing punches in an nfl game you know something is very wrong and like half the team is going to get ejected from the game yes yeah it's going to end poorly it doesn't really happen in baseball either sometimes there's brawls but generally not no i watch so little baseball that if there was like i would never know (laughs) 
I will. I tell you, the last time I watched baseball was when the Rangers were in the World Series in like 2011. Yeah, I was like, that was a long time ago. Well, baseball is a lot better this season. So if you want to try it anytime, that would be the time <laughs> with the new rules. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought kind of, yeah, hockey brings that kind of energy where, you know, there's literally fist fights in hockey. Yeah. And that's something that's sanctioned. Well, it depends on how far it goes, but it's something that's expected and is woven into the fabric of the sport. So I thought that, yeah, that would make sense for kind of the younger brother character kind of feeling like he's a little bit more of a rebellious type and that comes through in Cooper's character. Because for however rebellious he is, he really just wants that kind of approval, especially from mm-hmm. Richard. Because um, he feels like James has gotten all of the approval for doing the thing that Richard was good at, you know. Um, in terms of the adoption, though, I mean, okay, so it made sense for there to be a, a sister, like a young sister. Yeah. Uh, I wanted there to be a sister character, and I wanted her to kind of... Um, I wanted to kind of explore that dynamic of like the younger sister versus all of the older brothers. Yeah. I don't have a brother in real life. Um, and I honestly thought it would be kind of interesting to explore what it would be like to have brothers. And that's part of why there are, you know, three brother- brothers versus one sister in the mm-hmm. story. Um, and they I, love her. Like, I just, I love yeah, the way that they, I can't wait for her book. We'll get they there. Know. But like, okay. but like, I just, I'm looking forward to kind of like the switching of the perspectives yeah, from totally. like, the three Callahan boys mm, and totally. to the to Izzy, and oh, yeah. I hope there's an Izzy day in her book because like <laughs> we hear about them, but I need one. Um, but like I love I love how you've written this family and how they really like you. You they clearly have their issues as families yeah. do, but like at the end of the day, they just like deeply care and love about each other and just like really want the best for each other. Um, and I just think it's really nice because I feel like. So often, um, a family is, uh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure Charlotte just, sorry to those listening. Uh, my three-year-old <laughs> just woke up and I think she's getting sick. So I was just like making sure I didn't need to go in there. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, but anyways, I, I think in a lot of books, there's so many family, there's so much family drama, um, negatively, like as far as like you see, just like abuse or just like different things going on and I feel like it's nice to read about a family that truly truly cares and loves each other and they go through their shit right yeah they go through their shit but like you can but you know that like at the end of the day at least from our perspective so talk a little bit about uh and I think you're about to do this about Seb and his adoption story and what kind of brought you to including that in this in this family Mm -hmm. dynamic Honestly, I just thought it would be interesting to think about, you know, someone who was a member of the family, but got there in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of felt, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I have a terrible memory and I don't remember the exact moment that I decided that I was going to include a character that was adopted slash, you know, conceived of Sebastian's character specifically. Um, But I pretty quickly decided that that would make sense. Um, And, you know, I think you know, Sebastian is kind of like, if if James is the golden boy and Cooper is the rebel, then Sebastian is kind of the outcast um, mm-hmm. in that it's one of those things where he, you know, obviously is so loved and so much a part of the family that he, you know, kind of like was brought into um, fairly late in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he has these really deep insecurities. And I thought that, that would be interesting to explore. 
Um, and I've been very, you know, since I started First Down, was very excited to get to Sebastian's point of view. And it was very rewarding to kind of get there finally. I was um, really excited to read it. Yeah. Like, I had yeah. been wanting, I mean, once I kind of figured out that you were going to write a book about each of the siblings, mm-hmm. like, I was very excited to read Sebastian's. And especially at the end of Breakaway when you kind of, like, oh, totally. got a little bit of, a little taste, a little tasty yeah. taste, and you're like, I, really I know. I really loved him from that, like, that conversation that he has with Bex at the diner. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I really loved writing that. That was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he was, you know, I always kind of envisioned him as being kind of like a steady person who has had a lot of stuff happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like an unusual and very sad thing to have happen to you, especially at age 11. Yeah. Um, and I just really wanted to kind of, you know, yeah, kind of like what, like, what would it be like to be part of like essentially a famous family? And mm-hmm. like, you know, to kind of, to kind of like, you know, Richard is supposed to be, yeah, like a really, really like recognizable quarterback you know what i mean like yeah um you know if you want a couple of super bowls like he's somebody who has been in the public eye for a long time um the way you know especially i think i talked about it in stealing home for a bit the way that they him and sandra raised the kids was kind of low profile Mm -hmm. um as much as possible but they've definitely grown up a certain way and there's been a certain level of kind of recognition and you know, kind of like family legacy going on. And um, I thought it would be really interesting to kind of explore that perspective of coming into that situation and then kind of dealing with it from there. Yeah, so. and I think you do such a good job of portraying his uh, kind of almost back and forth of like, am I accepted in this family? Am I not? And uh, he, he knows that he is, but then it also, I can imagine, would be extremely difficult to always remind yourself of that and always believe that that is true especially in some of the things uh that he without giving anything away though i'm sure if you're listening to this you've read it but some of the things that he goes through of really if i make these choices is this family still going to support me um because of where you know what his biological dad did and then obviously richard and the rest of his brothers but it's just I, I really loved kind of that i was not expecting where you went with it when i went in i feel like it's not a traditional uh sports romance um as far as how you handle the sport aspect of it um so i really enjoyed that that was and very you, cryptic you <laughs> mentioned this you mentioned this a bit earlier in the podcast but i feel like you write the women so well you write women that have their own lives and their own issues um especially in you know breakaway i really appreciated the focus on mental health so um rachel and i are both big proponents of mental health Uh, we've both talked about mental health struggles very openly that we've had and so anytime mental health is like very well recognized in a book Mm -hmm. um I get very happy because I feel like a lot of the things that you write, be it mental health, adoption, um, biphobia, just different things, I feel like don't get as much visibility in standard romance novels that you're that people are reading. And so I feel like it's really special that you, you know, aren't aren't necessarily making these things like a hyper focus of the book, but just a part of the, you know what has weaved these people into who they are and you know um i've talked about how i i I love all of the books um i really love in breakaway the way that cooper uh, is with penny and how supportive he is 
of her going to therapy and her just like kind of getting through, um, you know, I'm sure by now everyone has read Breakaway. What a horrible habit to her, you know, right. just everything that she went through. I mean, at such a young age, uh, I don't think I could handle that in my 30s, let alone handle that in college or high school. And so um, I just think it's really beautiful the way you write how he takes care of her. And then with uh, Stealing Home, I love that Mia's kind of the more grumpy. I, I love a reverse grumpy sunshine, if you will. And um, I love that she's kind of more of the like tougher hard exterior. And he's just really like the sweet, you know, meal prepping, precious man. We um, love it. We love it. And so I just, um, I love that. I love how just whole these characters are. I don't yeah. feel like you get that always. Um, you so don't always get. what made get... you decide to, okay, so we've got Mia in Stealing Home. We love, we've talked frequently on the podcast and in person about how uh, much we love representation in books. And with Mia, you have a bi character, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which I feel like we're starting to see more uh, queer representation in books, but it's still, we're still like slowly rolling, right? So what made you to decide to include that as part of who Mia is? Oh, oh, I'm queer, so that's why. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's it. Um, <laughs> you like it just? You're like yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it was one of those things where, you know, it, yes, you're right in that it's starting to roll out, especially in the romance space. There are a fair number of traditionally published um, queer romances now. You know, mm -hmm. like an MM couple or an FF couple. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I really. I'm blanking on names right now, but like Ruby Barrett, for example, um, you know, facing the Christian with um, yeah. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Those kind I of loved Red, White, and Royal Blue. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. There's like a lot of really good ones out there. Didn't but... and L. Kennedy wrote one. I haven't read it. Is it him? Is that what it's called? Um, I have not read it. It's been on my TBR for like the 700 other books on there yeah. for a while, um, but. I want to read that one too. I've heard very yeah. good things. It's um, I think it's it's one of those things where it's becoming a little bit more mainstream in the trad space, but in the indie space, um, you know, there's always been the concept in indie romance of like a separate category for queer romance, um, mm -hmm. especially for like the MM stuff. Um, it's kind of like, you know, like a like a separate thing, um, outside of like the mainstream, like contemporary or other even other kinds of um, like areas of indie romance and. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, so I did it. Um, I love that. <laughs> You're just like, no, I, like, I did it. What I wanted. I'm the author, so I can do what like I want. It's my book. <laughs> so. There's some major spice in this book. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's why you're here, because it's what we talk about. Um, what is the process for writing these scene, these spicy, smutty scenes, if you will? Um, I mean, honestly, they're just like any other scene. I really like writing. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I, I know that some people like have to be in a certain zone or that it's really hard for them to do or that they don't like them or they do really like them. Um, they're just normal parts of the book to me. Um, you know, I really I'm still very proud of Breakaway because the plot of the book itself is spice based and that was mm -hmm. really, really hard to do. Um, I think some people in some cases, I mean, OK, my grandmother's not going to listen to this so I can talk about it. She insisted upon reading that book. I told her not to so many times. She insisted upon reading first now, okay? And then she insisted upon re reading Breakaway. 
Um, and well, I love that she's supportive. She first is. Of all. very sweet, okay? Because like I said, I've been writing for a really long time. We love a supportive grandma. We do. It's been very sweet. But at the same time, I told her, you are not the audience for these books. You yeah. are not going to like them, okay? Um, I told her this repeatedly. She still read Breakaway. And hilariously, she was like, you know, I thought the story in First Down was better. There was actually a story in First Down. There was hey, a lot in Breakaway. There's a story ma'am. in Breakaway. Ma'am. I know. And I was grandma, like, Grandma. Grandma. There's a story. See, the funny thing is, though, like, why would you tell your own granddaughter that? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it to your Harsh mouth. credit, Grandma. Good not to read it. I knew she wouldn't like it, but you know, it's one of those things where Breakaway was its own thing because yes, there's a ton of spice in that book, and the spice is the plot in a way. You know, yeah. there's other things going on in terms of um, Cooper and hockey and kind of like his family and everything, and that comes into it a lot. And then we also have the subplots of like what Penny is studying and kind of like her interest in writing and all that. But in terms of... Like, and the cat. We can't forget the cat. Yes. But in terms of, like, the plot structure, the plot structure is, you know, this is the way that I want to get over this trauma. Will you help me do it? Well, Basically. and I think that's so... I I loved that about it. I, I love that she took that in her hands. And yes. she was like, I am going to get over this trauma. This is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and, like, don't get me wrong. We love a book that's just sex for sex. But, like... We do. This, we do but this I didn't feel like that's what it was no same it was it had a purpose and I liked that aspect of it the thing is like it's it's a definite balance especially in indie romance because there's often a lot more sex in indie romance than there is in traditional published romance yeah Um, there's a lot more of it there's um it gets into a lot more detail um Mm -hmm. I would say occasionally you see some pretty heavy spice from traditionally published books but even the stuff that tends to be like marketed more as like erotic is not really the same level i think of like intensity and feeling we have an episode starting tomorrow about our spicy book journeys um that's what's and yes it's funny that you say that because i do feel like how it started and how it's going are very different you kind of of start with the mainstream and then you start discovering the indie stuff and you're like wait a second you're like this is better yeah and then suddenly you're like okay i'm reading like a mafia kidnapping dark romance and i love it you know that's really more rachel (laughs) that's That's me that's That's more her vibe i love that i don't know if i could write that stuff but i love that kind of like i haven't dipped into mafia but i feel like once I write, read every single hockey romance out there. It's a very recent thing, but I'm about it. And like the kidnapping, yeah. and then I had to, I had to have several discussions with people about like, is this real? Does this really happen? She I wants don't know. to go find her some mafia people. I want to like, know about the Dallas Underground. I want to know. So well, this is, sorry, go anyway. ahead. No, it's okay. Wait. I mean, we can move on. But when it comes to writing sex, yeah, it's not, it's not that different. I tend to, I always want to make it plot related. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, the, the thing is, I think it's the traditional writing background person in me where I'm kind of like, I'm not going to write a scene if I don't think the scene adds at least a couple things to the book, right? And with the sex scenes, you know, it's it's something where on the one hand, you want to deliver that kind of like spicy moment where, you know, it it really interests you in that way, of course. 
um, you know, you want to include stuff like that. And I think that that's a totally valid reason to have a scene, by the mm -hmm. way. Like, I've definitely written, you know, I've written more sex into my books than perhaps I would have if I was aiming to have a feature film published, mm -hmm. because I know that's what people like. Never change, Grace. No, never, never change. change. Yeah. But at the same time, I really try to make it feelings-based, and I try to make it relationship-based. So, you know, for me, it's less about, like, the action itself although i do really like coming up with fun things for the characters to do um we like reading them yeah so. we do um, well and i kind of go ahead oh no i was just gonna say it's more like feelings based to me where i'm kind of like i'm i'm like what is their reaction internally you know like what are they feeling in this scene and kind of where does it where does it lead them to in terms of feelings and i that's yeah. kind of what i'm focused on when i'm writing them which i think helps make it not seem like a scary thing that you know it's all part of the romance journey really it's not it's well, not like a big scary thing that i have to gear myself up to write no and one of the things that i've talked about several times is that romance books were the first time that i really saw sex without shame right mm -hmm. and so i think it's so important that uh, we see it in in these healthy relationships yeah. or like budding relationships where there there is feelings but then they also like exploring who they are as a couple in the bedroom right or in the storage room or wherever it may be right but it is a part of this couple without shame and i love that about romance that's one of my favorite things about it just growing up in like purity culture and all of that like mm -hmm. it is it is not something to be ashamed of and we don't and in the romance genre you don't see it as that you know there oh. might be occasional like with penny obviously there was like some stuff going on with the trauma that she had had before um but you see that that growth and that like redemption in that part of her journey um and i mm -hmm. love that about romance novels so um I've never had a compelling reason to like prevent two college kids from having sex right know, and it's just why they're more like fast burn like yeah. have them have sex and then figure out the feelings while they're i want a fast Absolutely. burn okay i, I listen i yes. know that there are people who like a slow burn and like i if that's your vibe like great there's a lot of it out there mm -hmm. i don't want to spend 300 pages like leading up to it it's just like yeah. I'm an instant gratification person. It's why I read on a Kindle, okay? I don't yeah. want to wait for something to come in the mail. I want to, I want to, when I finish want a book, now. I want the next one in the series like that yeah. second. I hate waiting for stuff. You know, it's, it's really, it's the generation that we are living in right now. You don't have to wait for anything. I mean, my kids won't even watch a YouTube commercial without having freakouts, okay? Yeah. Like, they know how to skip a YouTube ad. Can't read yet, know how to skip a YouTube ad. Yeah. Um, it's one of where I just like, you know, never say never because I don't want to say I'm not going to write something because watch me be like, oh, I have to write a slow She's burn. She's like, I'm writing the <laughs> slowest burn ever. But it will be the 99th percent point before the these people kiss. But I love writing all of the spice and I love writing the couple connecting. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, I don't know if you noticed in Stealing Home, they're like laughing in every sex scene, which I think is just so genuine. And it's so, so like, it's what so it's really genuine like to be with somebody. But you, you know? write couples that are realistic and you're not. I, I do feel yeah. like sometimes like God, I listen, y'all. I love a sweet guy. But like there are some times where I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't think these men exist. Not your books, other books where I'm like, that's like, like if they exist okay Where? but like i don't i've never heard of them and i like that these men 
I said that, you know, that the women are very real women and the men aren't perfect. Like they're mm-hmm. wonderful humans, but like they're real normal people who like fuck up and make mistakes. And so do the women. And I feel like that's important to see. Like you have to be able to relate to a book, to enjoy the book. You have to, if it's too unrealistic, it, it almost becomes not as fun to read. And I feel like these are realistic, real people. And for those of you listening who are like, I'm just listening to this, but haven't read any of these books, you're going to love them all. And um, I need to know. So when you finish the Callahan family, which like eventually we will run out of Callahans, unless, like I said, they have all these long lost siblings. um, (laughs) Do you think that you would write another kind of standalone series? Not necessarily a family. I mean, it could be like, (laughs) oh, she doesn't know. She doesn't want want me to ask this. Cooper the puppy. No, no, huh? no, I'm just, can you hear my dog? Oh, no. Oh, a little I bit, think... a little bit now, but I wasn't. Okay. So I was asking if you think there, you might write another standalone series when you are finished with the Callahan fam. Um, yes, I mean, I do think that that's the best way to do romance novels, honestly. Um, I will say, you know, it's one of those things where, although I have to say plenty of people have been like, oh, I read Breakaway first and I really liked it. And then I went back and read First Down. So I feel like they can they can stand on their own pretty successfully. Um, They've definitely, I think more so than other standalone series, they really build on each other though. Um, As somebody who's read them in order, I have to agree. Yeah. Um, But I did try to make them, you know, if you notice there's like the reintroduction of the characters in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Yes. You kind of can orient yourself if you are picking it up, you know, if you really only like hockey romance or whatever. Sure. Um, but yes, this this is my favorite kind of book to write. I love writing about like inter you know interrelated things where you get to go back to the same locations and the same mm-hmm. characters. Well, and I like that you almost get like a check in with the characters, right? Yeah, it's like you exactly. know that the ones that you fell in love with in the first book are still happy, yeah. like they're still kicking, they're still good. And I think yeah. like uh, like as somebody who did read the off campus series. Um, that was probably the first standalone series I read now that I think back I did like that I liked that you're kind of really getting more and more and more of this friend group yeah when it's like a family or a friend group or a team yeah uh, or whatever it is yeah oh we do love a team we love a team you get a really good check-in too with um James and Bex in uh I saw on your Instagram stories too today um, when somebody was asking about Izzy's book and you said weddings and I was like tell me more (laughs) (laughs) yes weddings well we know she is you know she lives feeling home you know that she's interning for a wedding planner right now and yes but like may or may not have a last name that's of interest to people Mm. I can't wait um okay so do you have discussed that but yeah, the clue is there in the last name. Yeah. She's yeah. like, I wrote it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, who has been, okay, this might be like asking you to pick a favorite child, right? But who has been your favorite character, your couple, not just one character, but your favorite couple to write about? Maybe not your favorite, but maybe like. One um, that's a little more special in your heart than sure. perhaps the others. You know, I mean, I guess if I had to pick, I would say Cooper and Penny. See, um, see, <laughs> Neely's because vindicated. that book was really easy for me to write. It mm. was one of those ones where I desperately wanted to write it, and it kind of like just poured out of me. Mm-hmm. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do in that book, and I felt like I did it. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote about this in the acknowledgments of 
feeling home because I felt like I didn't do acknowledgments for the first two books, but I felt like I kind of really needed to for the third one to really, you know, talk about everyone who kind of helped with this book. And um, when it came to um, when it came to the books, like first down was like a leap of faith in a way where I was kind of like, can I do it? And then the answer was, yes, I can do it. So, you know, I love James and Bex for that reason, for being kind of like that foundational piece. Cooper and Penny, though, was kind of, yeah, like a fever dream kind of inspirational moment where I was just like, I have to write this couple's story. Like, I'm obsessed with it. And I'm obsessed with these characters individually and together. Um, Stealing Home was definitely a lot harder to write. And it was, you know, a process of kind of like mining out the story over time, really difficult. Um, and I appreciate them for that reason. But if mm-hmm. I had I would probably say the second book just because of the writing experience. And you don't have to answer what it is, but I'm just curious more if you know what the title of your fourth book is going to be. That oh, wasn't on our no, questions. I do know. It, it's in the afterwards. So, yeah, I don't mind saying it. It's called Wicked Serve. Um, <gasps> yeah. It's about volleyball. Um, volleyball and hockey. So, yes. <laughs> well, I can safely say I've never read a volleyball romance, so yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. My very, very good friend is um, a volleyball player at Catholic University, and she has already said that she will answer any questions that I have, which I'm really happy about because I do have some questions that I need answered if I'm going to be writing. Volleyball is a sport that I really wish I could have played. Like, I wish it was one I had, like, learned. Did you ever try it? Me? Yeah. No. Um, okay, but I'm, like, like- going to really hope that so I'm we're pretty sure that Charlotte our three-year-old is going to be our athlete um she scored two goals at her soccer game over the weekend and she's on a team of all four she is three she's on a team of all four-year-olds I was real proud um proud mom mom brag moment moment. um I'm also definitely that parent on the sidelines screaming so which I'm sure surprises you at zero percent but um you know what will also not surprise you is that I am not that parent (laughs) Oh, like, I'm the parent putting, pre- like, undue pressure on their children. I'm like, you will win. <laughs> and my six-year-old son is over here like, I'm not a sports person. So, yeah. like, don't he's come like, I'll go me. to my Cub Scouts. Don't yeah, he's like, me. I'm going to go Cub Scouts. I'm going to build my Legos. And I'm going to, like, bounce on this idea. But um, I, I'm i excited about the volley. I'm just excited about Izzy's book. Like, I'm know, I'm excited. At the end of Breakaway, I was excited about Seb's book. Like, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. ex- an excited reader and a fan at the end of the day. And... It's funny because, like, I fangirl over authors way more than I ever would over, like, a movie star. Yeah. Like, unless it was Ben Affleck and then just, like, I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> I just, I, like, when an author just, like, responds to me in an Instagram DM, I'm like, you responded to me? Oh, my gosh. Like, like <laughs> You're a real it's person. just because we just, we love books so much and we are book yeah. people. Um, I mean, I was telling my son the other night he wanted to watch TV and I was like, you know, what mommy does to relax. I was like, I read. And so he went and he he's like learning how to read. He's getting there. And so like he went and he got a book and he sat next to me and he's like, if you read to relax, I'm going to read to relax. And I'm like, oh, it was really cute um, so because I think kids too. I do think, um, and it's just part of the generation. It's like they very much default to like a tablet or TV or things sure. like that. And I don't want my kids to have that be their default because... Yeah. I grew up loving to read. I've always loved to read. And I much prefer to read over watching you get, something. Like, I'm sure both of y'all got like grounded from your books. 
I did get grounded from books, but more yeah. because I was reading something that was super inappropriate, like A Time to Kill in the fourth grade, and my parents were like, I don't really think you're there yet. Like, yeah. you're 10. Please stop reading John Grisham books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, okay, so, so the last couple of questions that we have are not, They're, like, a little more... They're, they're a little more light. Yeah, they're, a little they're more not necessarily fluffy. your book related. They're just books in general related. So what are some... You t- you've talked a, l- a little bit about some of these, but what are some of your favorite spicy books? that you have read in the past um i really like Lisa bailey's work um mm-hmm. so you know it happened one summer i think it's really i just read that of... oh it's really good okay um, hook line and sinker the epilogue is maybe one of my favorite epilogues i've ever read i still haven't read hook line and sinker but i will i promise yeah yeah hook line and sinker is a really good um follow-up I also really like Talia Hibbert's books. Um, mm, me too. Underrated, but yeah, her her spice is really, really good in like a yeah, just in the way that I admire it, which is that it feels really character driven, which is just so nice for me. I really, really appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I love her. Uh, just like her characters are all, and Neely knows this about me. Like if it's a like two pound female main character, I'm like, I really would like some like curves and Talia Hibbert mm-hmm. does such a good job with that. Jasmine Guillory also does a good job yeah. with that, yeah. um, yes. which I, re- I I really appreciate that in her books because we're, yeah. we're normal women here. Yeah. We have a normal bodies. <laughs> so normal bodies. every time I, yeah, it's same. I've read a lot of books lately where it's like, I could pick her up and throw her across the room. And I'm like, I mean, that's just not my world. So, <laughs> um, okay. So this is a question that was submitted, and I said I loved this question so much, I'm adding it to every interview we do. It's going to be the question we end every interview with. What is your everyone-must-read-this book? Um, That is a really good question. (laughs) You're like, that I cannot answer. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this That is such a Um, hard question. I know. I'm sorry. We got this late in the day after I had sent you questions. I'm going to go, let's see. I'm like literally looking at my bookshelf now. Like what am I not thinking of in this current moment that I would be mentioning? I'm going to go with one that's not, it's not a romance, but there is romance. That's okay. Um, Uprooted by Naomi Novik is probably my favorite standalone fantasy book ever. Um, it does include a really strong romantic component. Um, the world building is excellent. It is just a book that you can get lost in, and I think it's fantastic. That uh, sounds right up Rachel's alley. I was like, did you see me perk up? I'm like, that sounds like have I you, love. Have you read any of her books before? Naomi no, Novich? I haven't. She is just, she's fantasy. Um, fantastic. I love fantasy. fantasy um, her, she's written um, several series, and then this is one of her standalones. It's called Uprooted. You can really read it. I absolutely A master class of writing, honestly. I'm so jealous of how, she, how good she is. Um, professional jealousy. Amazing. Love that. I will, I will for sure be reading it. So one thing we like yeah. to do with our guests um, is just do like a fun little rapid fire, this or that. It's just four kind of this or that. It's just like first thing that pops into your mind out of two choices. So the first one is cooking with Seb or skating with Cooper. Cooking with Seb. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Neely's like, mm-hmm, really? I'm not that uh, good at ice skating, but I am a big cook. So, yeah. 
So there you go. I honestly would probably also pick cooking with Seb just because, like, I love a man who can cook. Yeah, I really, um, yeah, that love of cooking definitely came from me. I said I it came that. from his mom, but it came from me. Yeah, but it was me. It was me as his, as his it was me author, as his mother. creator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so family game night, uh, like Monopoly, or family workout? Uh, family game night. I would love I mean, to be there for one of those Monopoly games, honestly. I honestly hate monopoly but i would play it with the callahans i am a super competitive monopoly player so i'm all over that i loved yeah. that it was in the yeah. books and my I, husband's gonna listen to this podcast and he has tried to get me to play monopoly with his family which is which tell brian i'll sub in for you well, it's ironically it is three <laughs> older boys and a younger sister so oh they've gosh, got this very similar setup um but i am like no i won't do it but i would play it if like seb or cooper or james asked me i would play so <laughs> i think i think i know the answer to this one because we've talked about it but slow burn or spice right out of the gate spice right out of the gate i love writing that yeah, yeah. i'm reading it, it. yeah 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 Okay. I don't last... like. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> last rapid fire. Ready? Okay. I think I know the answer to this one too, but we'll see. Uh, tickets to the Super Bowl or to the Stanley Cup like final game. This is the one where they win the win it all. Oh, that is really really hard. Okay. Honestly, I think I would pick hockey because it's more exciting. oh i'm i thought I'm, you i'm surprised uh, hockey is a smaller arena um so i think the the you probably have better is, seats yeah. yeah um for football i think it's it's so interesting it's so i think much better to watch it on television than it is i agree person. i so agree with that yeah. my husband and i have so, been to a few yeah. cowboys games together and every cowboys game he and i have gone to together they have lost so we stopped going to them like seven or eight years ago because literally every time we would go to one together, they would lose. We're like, I'm personally responsible for everything. Yeah, I was like, I can't contribute yeah. to this anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. But my so my dad has been to every single Super Bowl the Cowboys have played in, oh. and um, but he an said, and we were talking. So my family, like big big Cowboys family. Um, my. Uh, I was talking to him about this recently because, you know, every year is our year. Like, this, it's going to be our year. And uh, Life of a Cowboys fan. And I was like, would you, you know, if they were in the Super Bowl again, would you go? And he was like, absolutely not. I much prefer to watch it on the TV now. Um, yeah. And I think part of that, too, is just, like, how good TVs are now, right? Because it's yeah. like... Oh, totally. You see all the angels. You get the like, yes. you get the replay. Yeah, like, why would you want to be there? And, like, especially, I don't know how other football stadiums are, but, like, at the stadium here, like, we have this massive TV. So even if you go there for a concert, like... No yeah. matter where you're sitting, you just like are drawn, are kind of drawn to the TV. They anyway. are, yeah. And well, so it's so, like, why are you there? Because you're just gonna watch the TV anyway. It was so funny at the Stars game that we went to uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I I'm so used to watching like any sports on TV that I was like, I I need the commentary. Nobody's saying anything while yeah. I'm sitting. I'm supposed to just sit here and interpret this myself. I need somebody to tell me what's happening. And I especially <laughs> love a football game where Tony Romo does the commentary because mm. I think he's just like weirdly good at it, and his voice is like very comforting to me. So so really I like. Good. He has that flair for special. He's really yeah. good at it. He like predicts things before they're gonna happen. It's so fun. It's, 
Yeah, he's really good at explaining the player perspective behind why decisions are made, and I think that that really goes a long way. I bet our listeners didn't think it was going to go here. We were talking about sportscasters. You came for the (laughs) smut. You're staying for Tony Romo. Um, Okay, so this is the part of the episode where you get to whore yourself out, and you get to tell people where to find you, what you want them to do, you want them to buy your book, buy her books, buy all of her books, read them, they're wonderful. Um, I'm going to say it before she can, because you know what, she seems like the type of person that's not going to tell you that. So go <laughs> read them all, and then okay. come talk to us about it. But where can people find you? Um, I mostly hang out on Instagram at Grace Riley Author. Um, I also have a TikTok under the same handle um, that has like fun aesthetic videos and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, GraceRileyAuthor.com. You can find um, the first three books in the Beyond the Play series. Can definitively say there will be a fourth one. I, I promise. I get asked this all the time. Like, is Izzy getting a book? Yes, she's getting a book. Probably late summer. Don't worry, it's coming. It is um, coming in 2023, people. Before the year is oh, over, we are getting it. it. I want to yeah. have at least. I don't know. Ideally, I would have two more releases this year, so we'll see. And then we're gonna have and we're gonna have her on for them all. She's now bound yeah. to this podcast, <laughs> and she has to come talk to us about it when it comes out. Um, and you can find us at Smut Show Podcast. Um, we would love if you rated and reviewed us, especially if you're gonna give us five stars. If you're gonna give us one star, just like don't do it. Just, um, but we we love a five star review. It helps people find us, and you know what? We want more of that. Because we like talking to you guys. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode we've recorded since we've had episodes released. So uh, thanks for listening to yeah. the episodes you've listened to. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Rachel underscore M. Lewis. I am on Instagram and, like, kind of on TikTok. I, ha- I don't think I've put a TikTok up in a long time. But I'll, I need to record one with Brian. And I'll put it up soon. And one day we'll, we will have a podcast TikTok. We'll right get there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Slow, where slow can we going find here. You, Neely, where, where I am you? at Neelykins everywhere except for TikTok, where I'm at Books and Bar. Don't ask. Just come watch my monthly reading recaps, which is like that and uh, stuff with filters. It's all you're getting from me there. there you go. Yeah. But thank you guys for listening, and thank you so much, Grace, for coming on. We absolutely love talking to you, and we're just so grateful that you would take time out of your day to chat with us. Yes, thank you both so much. This was really fun. Like I said, first podcast experience. It was. She is no longer a podcast virgin. We We have popped that cherry. Be your first. We love it. But yes, thank you so much. The only. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Other podcast people have her on. She's a delight. All right. Well, we will see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.